Everybody had a good time on the slopes today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A little bit sore. <laughs> yeah. Sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, uh, the sermon tonight uh, was not written by Jeff. It's still not there. Yes. Yeah, this there you go. There you go. Power. Okay. My name is Bill. I haven't met you. I'm getting to know some of you guys for the first time, and it's really fun to be back here at Mount Lawn, uh, Mont Lawn, <laughs> after uh, several years. It feels like a hiatus, but uh, it's cool to be here. And um, as you guys know from uh, what we started last night, we were talking over these days about our emotions, mostly about our negative emotions. Um, so last night we looked at despair and we looked at anger. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about fear and doubt. Ooh. Um, so yeah, these are these are heavy heavy themes and heavy topics. Uh, we had a really good and earnest discussion in our small group last night, uh, coming out of uh, last night's messages. But you know the the good news. And this really is the theme of, of all of this. The good news is that God can deliver us from our despair, and he can deliver us from our destructive and hurtful anger, and he can deliver us from our fear, and he can deliver us from our doubt. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. I want to read to you Psalm 27. You may able to see it uh, up on the screen as well, but if, however you can uh, access that. Uh, this is Psalm 27, attributed to David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an enemy army encamp against me, my heart shall not fail. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart 
says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant. Turn not now. I'm going to get another mic. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on the level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So we're talking, as you can see here tonight, about fear. Now some of you may enjoy being frightened from time to time, but that's usually because you know that whatever it is, it's, it's like a movie, or it's like the Tower of Terror at Disney World. You know it's, it's contrived to scare you, and it's not real, right? But I think most of us fear, and, and fear certainly may be a good thing from time to time to help us make sense of it decisions when otherwise we would not. Um, but fear, I don't think, we, is something we, we want to live in, uh, that we don't think of that as a positive emotion. As we, as we think about this psalm, I want to ask you to think tonight, just for a moment, uh, about your own fears. What do you fear? Because uh, the reality is that we all fear some things, and most of us fear many things. What do you fear? Uh, maybe you fear being alone. Uh, you fear that, that you will never find someone to share life with as a, as a partner, as a spouse. <coughs> some of you may fear people, being with people, social anxiety. Um, maybe you fear you will be alone because you fear being with people. And that will keep you from ever finding someone who wants to be with you. We fear failure. And you guys swim in uh, water with many sharks. So we, we fear academic failure because so much of our identity is bound up in our academic performance. But we fear all, all other, other kinds of failure as well. Failure to achieve certain things that we long for. I mean, you start thinking about it, there are many, many ways to fail. Hmm. We may fear some in the room more than others, physical harm. Fear for your safety. There's lots of things that can go wrong. You can fall coming down the mountain. There's 
you can cut your finger in the kitchen, you can, you know, there's so many things, big and small, ways that you can be in harm's way. We may fear pain. I still remember from my childhood, I don't think I've actually fully outgrown this, my fear of getting a shot, you know, and when I knew I had to go to the doctor to get a flu shot or something, I said, you know, it's not that bad, but I'd be terrified. Fear of pain. Maybe some of you live in certain kinds of fear, possibly because of what's happening to you or members of your family that have health problems, sickness, fear of germs suddenly rose very much to the surface uh, over the last few years. And our fears are also not just for ourselves, right? They may be fears for people that we love. Uh, we're praying at uh, our church for a woman's brother. She's Ukrainian. Her brother lives in Ukraine. She's just recently received word that he's been moved to the front lines in Ukraine. And so she's fearing for his life. And that leads us, right, to some of the biggest fears, the fears that maybe are not front and center day in and day out, but they really are the biggest fears of all, right? Our fears of death. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews describes those who live in the fear of death as a kind of lifelong slavery. <clears throat> Fear, why? Because of the unknown, but also because of judgment. It is appointed for a person, the scripture says, to die. That is an appointed thing that will happen to all of us. And after death comes judgment. And that may be, uh, <laughs> you begin to think about it, the ultimate fear. So what do you fear? And why do we fear those things? I mean, whatever's on your list, why do we fear them? I, I think fundamentally our fears arise out of a recognition of our vulnerability and a recognition of our frailty. Which is why I said earlier, sometimes our fears can be a good thing because they can protect us from doing something really stupid. Though they didn't always work that way for me. Um, but they arise out of a recognition that we're frail, that we're vulnerable, because we fear when something that is precious to us is threatened. And we fear in the anticipation that things are gonna go badly with whatever that precious thing is. And sometimes that's because of previous bad experiences, and sometimes it's because of the unknown. But similar to anger, as Chris said last night, our fears are universal. They are part of the, the experience of, of mankind, and for that, I, I, I don't know if dogs and cats lie awake in fear, but I mean, those beings as well experience it. And, and our fears, because we are sentient beings, conscious thinking beings, our, our fears reveal what is really important to us. That's one of the things about our emotions. Our emotions are very frequently not a good guide to what is right or what is true or how we ought to behave, but they're almost always a good guide to what's important to us, what we value. And so our fears often can also expose our idolatries. They can 
point us to where our hope really lies, where we imagine, right, that our happiness lies. If something is precious to me, I may go to great lengths to preserve it and to protect it. And so, yeah, what are some of the ways that we cope with those fears? I don't know how you cope if you think about some of the things that are on your list. I mean, one of the most obvious ways to cope with our fear is to avoid risk. If something is precious to me, then I, then I don't want that thing to be threatened. And so we see today, uh, and I, I suppose this has always been true, we see parents who are consumed with, with protecting their children from every conceivable kind of harm. And so they go to great, great lengths to protect their children. And, and, I mean, this does feel like a change to me. I, I just remember as a kid, you know, we'd just go out in the neighborhood and play, and we'd be, you know, out there in our bare feet, you know, running wild for afternoons at a time until it got dark, you know, and Mom would stand in the back door and say, time to come in, and she had no idea where we'd been or what we'd been doing. And, um, you know, all the parents of young kids I know would not think of doing anything like that, right? That, there's, there's, a, there's kind of a fear, uh, but why? Because the kids are precious. Uh, we avoid risk, you know, during COVID. Some, <laughs> some of us more than others went to such great lengths, you know, to avoid these little uh, germs that we thought might kill us. We might avoid close relationships because we're afraid of being hurt. We're afraid of that vulnerability. And so there can be a mindset with our fears that if I can just control my circumstances or my situation, whatever it is, enough, I will be okay. If I can just plan it all out enough. And so some of you, that's what you're doing. You're, you're planning, you're planning, you're planning. If I can just be well enough prepared, and so you prep and you prep and you prep, you study and you study and you study, but you see the way that fear can hold us in its, in its grip. Because even though we have all those ways of trying to cope, we're still afraid of that thing that's threatened. And, and you know, one path we may go down is, well, there's nothing I can do to guarantee that bad things are not gonna happen, and, which is true. You know, so, uh, well, I can wear my seatbelt, but I'm still going to be in a car accident. I can, I can eat all the right food and get all the exercise that I'm supposed to get, and I'm still going to get, you know, cancer. I can study hard, but I'm still going to fail more ago. <laughs> and, and so even though we, you know, we do everything we can to avoid the risk, it doesn't, it doesn't deal with the fear. Yeah, we're still filled with anxiety. And that anxiety leads us into all kinds of other unhelpful behaviors, right? We don't like being anxious, and so we distract ourselves. We medicate ourselves. We isolate ourselves. And none of those are, none of those are positive ways to cope with our fears. And Psalm, the, Psalm 27, I think, so helpfully points us in a very different direction. And it helps us with this question, how can God, how can knowing God help me with my fears? I mean, did you notice as we were reading 
the psalmist has, to me, this is extraordinary confidence. He says, you know, because God is my light, because God is my salvation, whom shall I fear? It's a rhetorical, I don't need to fear anybody because God is my stronghold. And there may be evil people out there who wish to do me harm, verse 2. I may have adversaries who, who want to see me stumble and want to see me fall. There may be an army encamped against me. But even in all those, I mean, humanly speaking, those are significant uh, situations, right? Even in those kind of situations, yet, he says, I will be confident. I will be confident. And, you know, where does that confidence come from? What, you know, one of the things I hope you know is the Lord is my light, my salvation. He is the stronghold of my life. And so this is, this, this is not simply a fact that this person knows about God. Oh yeah, God is like that. No, God is my life. He is my salvation. He is my stronghold. And that is why he says that I understand that even though frightening things may happen to me, I will not fear. Now, I mean, that still begs the question for me, how can that be? How does he get to that place? How do, how do we get to that place with the things that frighten us. And I think that verse 4 is, is a key here. Why does he have this kind of confidence? Well, it seems to me that a big part of the answer to that has to do with what he is preoccupied with, what fills his thought, what fills his longing, what fills his heart and his mind. Uh, the focus of his attention, look at verse 4, one Thing. Underline those two words. One thing, he says. One thing I have asked. One thing will I seek. I'm not going to live in preoccupation with fear about all the bad things that might happen to me. They might happen to you. We, you know, but he said, I'm not going to live my life preoccupied with those things. I'm going to be preoccupied with one thing that I'm going to seek after that one thing, which is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, that I want to live my life in the company of God, in the presence of God, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to meditate to contemplate, to inquire in his temple. That's what's going to preoccupy me. And I, and I really believe this is true, that if, 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 if we begin to shift, I mean, he's not saying, I'm not saying, oh, you should just quit studying for your exams. You should quit wearing your seatbelt. You should quit... You know, washing your hands or, or what you know, whatever. But but what I am saying is that we, we need a bigger picture of God 
and of who he is and, and, and of who he is for us. And one way to get there is by spending less time in, in our fear and in our anxiety and in, the, in our fretting and more time, more time, more of my mental, my emotional energy considering the goodness and the beauty and the faithfulness of God. And, and as, as we get a, a bigger and bigger picture, as, as we gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and begin to see more and more who our God is and who He is for us, my light, my stronghold, my salvation, then yeah, that doesn't mean that the circumstances that gave rise to my fears necessarily change. But I, I begin to see them in a different perspective. They become less scary because of who's with me as I face them. And so he says, you know, you get down to, to uh, uh, verses five and, and five and six, you know, he, he says, sure, scary stuff may happen, but, but when it does, he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. I'm not alone. I am not without help. I am not without resource. I am I'm not left to my own devices. I am not cast off. No, I have someone. I have the living God who says, for me, for you tonight, that he will hide me in his shelter. He will bring me into his tent. You know, he, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me up on a high rock where, where nothing can reach me, nothing can assail me. And it's in that confidence that, that he says, I, I can actually face my fears Verse 6, I can offer in, in that tent, in, in the presence of God, no matter what are my circumstances, I can offer a shout of joy. I can sing. I can make melody. And I do think that, that for us, a practical takeaway is, is that we, we begin to be less preoccupied with our fears and more preoccupied with the greatness of our God. And then... Just this, notice that's his preoccupation, but then also notice his prayer. In verses 7 through, through 12, he's actually praying about the situation that he happens to be in. And so he says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry, be gracious to me and answer me. In this moment, when he says, Even his father and his mother have forsaken him, he's praying to God, in light of that confidence that we've, we've already talked about, he's praying, God, uh, don't forsake me. Turn not your face from me. And notice that, you know, what, what's running through here is what is his ultimate desire? His ultimate desire is to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And what is it that he seeks? Verse, verse 8, he says, I will seek God, I will seek your face. And what is his confidence that, that he will look upon 
Verse 13, the goodness of the Lord, that God will show his faithfulness. And this isn't very helpful to me because the first part of the psalm is, in a sense, reviewing why God can be trusted and how I need to be more preoccupied with the goodness of the God in whom I believe. But now the second part is, is urging me to then, when I become anxious, I need to begin to pray those fears back to God. And so rather than engaging in all these unhelpful behaviors that I'm so prone to, to begin to bring my fears to God. And so Peter, First Peter says, you know, you need to do, Bill, he says, you need to cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And so we, we bring our fears to God. And as Christians, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ tonight, you know that this promise uh, that God is making to you, to us, is so much more powerful because of Christ. And, you know, as I was reflecting on this psalm, I couldn't help but also be drawn to, uh, you know, remember what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 um, about this very thing. And I just want to close with this. You know, Paul there says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And, and the, the point that he's making is not that there's never going to be anyone against you. It's like the psalmist saying, there may be an army camped out the door there, but I will be confident in the face of that. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What shall separate us, I'm skipping down, from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not saying that none of the things that you might fear are ever going to happen to you. That's not what it's saying. But it is saying that God is good, that God is the most powerful being in the universe. He is outside of the universe. There, there is none greater than our God. He loves you with an everlasting love. And, and it is saying that he is a promise keeper and what he promises you is nothing less than himself. Therefore, do not fear. Trust in the Lord. Amen. Amen.